0: The MMA Roadshow, episode number 438. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me at the moment because he is home, chilling in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, I'm here at the New Yorker Hotel, but I've got a replacement. Some might even say an upgrade. Some definitely wouldn't. It just (laughs) depends on how you feel. It is Ben the Bane Davis who uh, has made his way to New York to help out with his PFL coverage. What's going on, my man? Pumped to be here. Absolutely agree. Polarizing some people. <laughs> some people have their own opinions. Some people have already turned it off. Some people have absolutely already turned off the podcast. Maybe they didn't even turn it on. They saw the name and title, and they're like, we're gonna skip this road show, John. Never even gave it a start. Never even gave it a start. <laughs> well, good to have you here, my man. Uh obviously, you and I have crossed paths a couple times over the years recently, uh covering events, and then we actually got to call fights together as well down south in uh, in Colombia. So yeah. uh the, the the paths have been a little bit intertwined lately, so it's been good to hang out, and now we can actually find. Finally sit down and do a little podcast. Chop it up, baby. Get chop to it chop up. it up, you know. Chop it up, <laughs> chop it up. Uh, all right, listen, you just got into New York, right? So what uh what's your schedule? Because uh, well, I guess I came in a little bit early. This has been a fun week. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh been a fun week for me to do stuff. But I guess I kinda came early, so you didn't really necessarily come late. It was I
1: didn't see yeah, I got here and I opened my timeline and I go, Whoa, fuck, they're on top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. would have been fun. <laughs> right. So I did I did, you know, I did flex here in uh, Queens, New York on Friday, flew back for UFL three. Uh, down in Mesa in Arizona and then now I'm back here. So it's been ping-ponging across the country.
0: Keeping the schedule busy. I like it. Absolutely. So so Flex, you do uh you've done quite a bit of those, right? Are you do you do all their events or as many as you can basically? As many as I can. Know, I know yeah. How scheduling
1: works. wise, sometimes there's conflicts, but since February, you know, doing the play by play and then a little
0: taste of ring announcing there last time out. Oh yeah. Saw that. <laughs> how did that now did you volunteer for that or did it just did it just work out that they needed somebody or how did that go?
1: Combination of demand and interest from both sides. I think that the original guy. <laughs> That we It's a man, he says. I mean, the people were calling for they it. They said, we need the Bane, ringing throughout Melrose Park Stadium. Uh, no, but... You know, I had been interested in it. I think at this point, you know, you got to be a Swiss Army Knife in right. the current landscape of MMA. And I was, I've was i never done it before. Felt like I could. And the original guy that we have wasn't really interested in doing the full card. I mean, it's a 24-fight card. I can't blame the guy. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, so I did, I think, the first 10. We had a BJJ tournament as well going on. Okay. So, you know, because we didn't have enough fights, John. <laughs> <laughs> 24 wasn't enough. You're like, hey, about, it we, enough? we got a, a, a judo competition <laughs> that we're lining up.
0: And, you know, that's great. So you did it both. So how, how did it go? That's how. I don't think people realize this, uh, especially, you know, ring announcing. I mean, commentating is one thing. It's a lot of talking, right? I mean, yeah. it's like six hours or five hours or however many, depending on the broadcast. I don't think people realize, like, that's that is one thing. You can lose your voice doing that. But man, when you're re-announcing, you're trying to punch it up even a little bit more, right? I mean, obviously Bruce Buffer is the standard in the industry, and nobody's gonna be Bruce Buffer, but he's kind of set that standard that you got to kind of bring that energy. So to do both at the same time, I gotta imagine uh, the the voice was a little toast that night. You know, the chords got some work in.
1: You know, <laughs> the chords went on a marathon that night. And the comparison that I think I can draw is like a, um, you know, like a long distance versus a sprinter. You know, it's kind of the same muscle group, right. but there are some differences. And I don't think I anticipated how challenging that would be after probably the. Eighth or ninth, um, you know, fight that I was introducing, and then trying to head right back into the play-by-play, it, it didn't affect me as much as I thought. But there was some tangible effect. And, you know, admittedly, I did have some goofs inside there. (laughs) I uh, flubbed up here and there. And I think there were a couple uh, announcements where, I will say, the voice cracked a little bit. Right. Puberty's still, I'm going through it, John. Um, You know, I'm still going through it. The balls are dropping. So, (laughs) it was a great experience, though. I think that uh, another crack at the ring announcing would be a significant increase in quality. But it was fun. I liked it.
0: So, you said something about being a Swiss Army knife man. And I think, honestly, that's really actually good uh advice for anybody trying to get in the game like yeah. uh you know i always joke i'm so old at this like when i started doing this like sports writer was actually a thing like you just like you just wrote like that's yeah. not even a job anymore you know <laughs> what i mean like now you like you got to do audio podcasts, you got to do video you probably need to do some uh photography you need to, i mean you, you got to do the yeah. producing you can't just shoot your stuff and turn it over to Somebody you got to be able to handle it also i think that's really good advice to people and um and just being as well round as you can because you know a lot of people want to get into this field you know there's, there's passionate fans right and they want to be in the space and they have an idea of what they want to do, but I think very rarely does the career path go like exactly as you foresaw it. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that's good advice to people. That are like, hey man, if you can leave yourself open to to being you know a, a little bit of everything and trying new things, even if you're like, oh I'm not, I don't I don't really know how to do that, but. Why well, not? Go yeah, <laughs> Figure it out. You know. I mean, um, you know, if you're not trying new things, you're not growing. You're
1: not evolving. And the the reality is, not every promotion is going to need maybe this or maybe that. So if you can provide a bit of everything, then you go. Listen, you don't need a play-by-play, but you do need a ring announcer. Right. Hey, you got a ring announcer and a play-by-play, but you don't have a sideline reporter. You know, I think like that is that the best. Um, thing to I think express to people is like if you can do a bit of everything then whenever a promotion needs something you can absolutely qualify for it
0: yep. so let me ask you this being being the Swiss Army Knife that you are yeah. but where is there like one passion over anything else that like okay I'm doing everything right now I'm getting the experience I'm, I'm, I'm making the connections I'm, I'm doing all those things but where I want to end up is in this role.
1: Yeah, gay porn's my calling, man. I think that genuinely... On your way, my man. (laughs) On (laughs) your way. Hey! (laughs) Um, No, I I do believe that the play-by-play is the best application of my skill set. I think every... With my acting experience and sports broadcasting in high school and then just the oration skills that I think I have, it, it all comes together in that
0: position. The oration skills will help um, in the gay porn as well, by the that's way. That's true. That's very, <laughs> hey, got to use the mouth, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> now more people have definitely They're turned gone. it we got <laughs> one <laughs> listener, and
1: uh, <laughs> he's in Kansas City. No. Um <laughs> no, I think um, I do believe that the play-by-plays is, is really what what speaks to me the most and what I'm passionate about and what's connected. But, um, you know, I recognize how difficult that is. I know you kind of have that, that same perspective as yeah. well with it. it. It is a very hard Um, you know, the UFC play-by-play role, that is an almost impossible job to get. So I'm prepared to, at some point, kind of face the music a little and go, maybe I have to change and do X, Y, or Z. Uh, But at the end of the day, I mean, being here, being in the industry is... You, you, you can't complain
0: yeah I dig it all right well listen we're, we're going to talk about USC 292 of course uh, yep. up in Boston obviously that's the big Card of the weekend but pretty big card here as well with the PFL the playoffs are getting underway uh this Friday they will continue next Wednesday are you by the way are you, are you staying for both cards or how's I that? am yeah here the Stay all the way 30. through yep wow okay interesting you get a lot of you get a lot of time here in New York then um, all right let's talk with this so uh first of all I guess I just I'm sure everybody wants to know hey What's the scoop, guys? Y'all are, y'all are on the ground there. Boots on the ground, P- baby. P- PFL Bellator, what's going on? <laughs> How's, how is this all playing out? Uh, I know you just got here kind of late last night, so you haven't had to. Yeah, I, no. I, I, what I'll share from when I'm talking to people is that um, nobody really seems to know. And yeah. it, it it feels like everybody is kind of like, yeah, sounds like something's happening. But even like off-record conversations or like little hints, you're trying to get a little information – just be honest, it just kind of sounds like nobody really knows exactly idea. what's going on. No black or white in this one. It's a lot of gray,
1: I think. Um, you know, same thing. The rumor mill has been just pumping out things, but I haven't really heard from the fact mill. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. so it's. I've heard a lot of things, that when I really speculate and think about the PFL purchasing Bellator, um, and again, I, I love the idea from one perspective devil's advocate i don't know you know because that's going to be a whole overhaul of what pfl is at the moment and i don't think that you know the whole value proposition is this tournament it's the million dollars and that's the big fresh innovative thing that we do here at the tournament with bellator you you absorb the roster you can't really do that effectively
0: that's my biggest question so like i I, it's weird because on the one hand you're like all right well look you got a lot of sharp minds here you got a lot of sharp minds there you bring them together maybe the product's a little bit better you, you combine the rosters, and it, it, it's that's it's, that double-edged sword too, right? Because on the one hand, like, oh, well, if you bring the rosters together, think of the matchups we can make. We can yeah. put this guy against that guy. That's amazing. But at the same time, that's one less place for fighters to compete. And and the fighters are always saying, and, and it, it is good. I mean, the, the more competition that's out there, the more people they potentially have bidding for their services – the better, right, because you've got more options on the table. So you hate to see one of the options go away, and, and maybe it would be replaced by another option. Maybe that just opens the marketplace a little bit. Yeah. So that's from, from that aspect, I've been a little bit torn on as well. But what you said, and I've said from moment one when I first heard this deal that it was a possibility, and people started talking I said, okay, let me sit back and think. What, what, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What would it benefit? The clear advantage of the roster but because of the way the PFL format is set up, and I like the format, yeah. it's something different. It's not just, hey, we're trying to do UFC light. Like, no, we're doing something completely different. Um, you can only support so many athletes, right? And now, I, I think the immediate thing would be, I guess, at least if you had that number of athletes that you could do every weight class instead of like picking and choosing some weight classes so maybe that would help a little bit then it's a 20 million dollar payout like the operational expenses (laughs) go through the roof and i think that that is
1: the additional concern here is you know pfl still a young organization still finding the footing i think um you know on the 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 for the the financial statements right Mm -hmm. and this is a lot of money that's going to be not only the purchase but the continuation of the athletes and if you are doing that tournament you crack open every division it gets wild and so i think that there is a lot of potential and opportunity but it's going to be change any way you cut the cake and yeah. i don't know if all that change
0: is good it's interesting yeah and and you know i've heard some people say well the pfl can just do like normal cards there, there's no way they're going away from this <laughs> no. format like yeah. this is their <laughs> the bread and butter baby yeah, yeah. And, and they're setting up these regional leagues which by the way i want to say that the regional organizations that they're setting up, I'm sure a lot of people are just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And in, in fairness, it's been really hard to watch PFL Europe in the United States. I mean, they haven't necessarily nailed the distribution from what we understand. I think next year uh, the Middle East League is going to be up and the Africa Australia League, I or think. Africa, or, or something. Yeah. I think those are both going to be up next year. I really, honestly think that's brilliant because, you know, first of all, look at the, this PFL um, Europe event in Paris that they've got coming up. It's if you look at the lineup, great card, solid card. It's sold out. I think it's like I think it's like a six or seven thousand seat venue. If I if I heard correctly, that's impressive. You know what I mean? And it's good. And I really think this is good because when you're talking about growing the brand and you're talking about growing the sport, having stuff that is in prime time, wherever those regions are. You know what I mean? That's that's you know I love the idea of you know, you've know you got Dan Hardy, a, well, a well-known guy in that market, kind of heading things up over there so the yeah. people can relate to that. instantly. I love it. When they first announced that that was their plans, I'm like, dude, this is going to be a hell of an undertaking. How are they going to pull this off? But it seems like they're getting there. So I really do think that uh, what they're doing there is going to help the sport as a whole. It's going to help PFL as a whole. But it just goes to echo what I'm saying. Like they're not going to just scrap all that all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. and just be like, yeah, well, we got all these athletes, so season
1: and eh, let's just do regular fights. Yeah. And that's, I think, that's the beauty of the international expansion is you could take a couple, two to three matchups from a Bellator and PFL guys and toss them on as like showcase for all these international sure. shows. And then there's extra added interest. You've got those fighters bringing their own fan bases to then the new talent in these contender series style uh, shows around the world. So I think there, there, there is a way to do it. Again, I think my process just rolls back to. Man, it's going to cost a lot. Yeah, you know, that is a uh,
0: steep. I'm interested. I, I'm definitely interested in following along and how it goes. Uh, I, I think there's potential, but I, I don't think it's necessarily like an automatic home run. But I don't know if it ever is. I mean, you know, and I've heard people say, well, what do they? You know, what about they just run both brands and they have two companies? You know, what I mean? but I mean, we've we've seen that, right? Like yeah. the UFC and WC, they tried that. You know, they were like, oh, we'll, we'll run this, and these will just focus on these weight classes. But at the end of the day, like. Then you're trying to educate consumers on two different brands, even though you're doing the same thing. You're you're almost competing. There are benefits in terms of like if you have two different brands, you can sign two different TV deals. You know what I mean? Like I got yeah. one one over here. And I got, so you just double your revenue. But I just think you run into these issues where like you're trying to educate the consumer, and you're, you end up competing against yourself. And I can definitely tell you from back in the day, like when the when the USC and and WC were rolling around, like the WC. <laughs> people always kind of felt like the you know like <laughs> the lesser B-team. yeah, yeah like, I mean they're um, not prime time uh, yeah, and, and
1: that's I will say this to put another edge to it is we don't know if PFL is the right buyer like right. one or maybe Dana goes hey fuck it you know <laughs> that would be listen that would be the ballsiest move just to go I'm going to absorb my competition and you guys can't do anything about
0: it. <laughs> so fun. I, this is one thing I was talking to Cole Coffee about this recently is that like you know all the antitrust stuff and everything that's going on Yeah. I'm yeah. sure because on the one hand I'm sure that UFC doesn't necessarily want to see these two companies come together and maybe create a bigger company that becomes more of a rival, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other hand, I'm sure they're sitting back and going, "Like, please buy them." So that <laughs> as we're in a court of law, you're gonna be like, "Oh, we did what? That was so terrible. We yeah. purchased up the competition. I'm sorry. I've heard that have one before. Yeah. Have you seen this headline? Have you seen this headline today in the news that, that this just happened? So excuse me. Uh, yeah. Tell me again what we did wrong. Let me off the hook here, real quick. You know, like <laughs> that. It, it would be it would be uh, a funny
1: one to see. But I don't know. I mean, either way, it's an interesting time to be in both the industry and a mixed martial arts fan. Because, again, if they do merge, then we do get kind of a real solidified number two Mm -hmm. in the market. And uh, I think with that antitrust and so many questions about, um, you know, some fighters, I think I heard it's like 1,200 fighters in that case. 1,200, yeah. That's kind of a
0: lot. It's <laughs> a lot. a lot. There's a potential lot of money that, that, is, that, yeah. that, that could change hands. Still years away from getting resolution course, there. But yeah. uh, some some money that could change hands and then possibly some contracts, uh, the way they're formatted and that sort of thing could all change. So, uh, All right, let's talk about the card. So, by the way, it has been a fun week for me. They, they actually asked me this week if I would come in and host a, a media. Uh, l- l- you know, that was – Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. to do that, host a little media thing. That was fun. I guess I don't – it was called a media day face-off, it's like a group interview. But then it felt like a. It was set up kind of like a press conference, but it wasn't a press <laughs> conference. You know what I mean? But it was. Yeah. It was actually pretty cool the way it worked out because it was like. Just us in the room, and, and so I got to ask a few questions like in person, and then uh, and I know you were one of the journalists yep. that was on the line as well, and then we did like kind of this virtual thing where hey, you guys were done. I was one in. of the media members. Exactly. I a, I'm, not, I'm not a journalist. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you were one of the media members yeah. there. Uh, but it was kind of cool.
1: I, kinda, I, I enjoyed doing it. It was kind of cool. Was the that the first out. time you've done something like yeah. that?
0: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. And yeah, they asked me if i do it. They just wanted to try something. I'm like, yeah, I'm game for that. <laughs> like you, man. I'm da- Hey, just... I, I, I've done this job for a long time, <laughs> and so if there's new things that I can yeah. do, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'll do that. And then uh, and then you mentioned we got to take the tour of the Empire State Building, which was super cool as well because they asked me to tag along. And um and and I was into it. I mean, obviously, like I've been to New York a lot, I've seen the sights. I've yeah. been to the Empire State Building, um, but still, it's fun. Like, let's just go and hang out and do it. I mean, somebody's gonna take you somewhere. Like, go do it. What else you got Why going not? on the day? Sit, yeah. sit in my hotel room. You know what I mean? Like, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Um, but then it was super cool because we got to go to the very top. And then there's like a it's not a hidden floor, but there's like a private like when you go to the hundred and second floor, which is the highest observatory, there's like a little metal cage. And there's a and there's a, a ladder in there, like and you just walk up the ladder. and It's like a like a little crow's nest perch or whatever. An yeah, okay, it's a wow. real it, It's so apparently like you can't buy tickets to get in there. You can't. Uh, you, it's just invite only. It's VIPs only, and, and that you have to go. So we got there, and then you go out on the and th- so you go up there, and then you step out outside. And I'm being honest, I'm not like afraid of heights. Yeah. But there's something about being 103 <laughs> floors in the air, and it's, this is not like the big safety cage around you. Like yeah. there is like a little hand railing. But, uh, you could go. You could go. Oh, you could go. <laughs> you could go. <laughs> you, could go. <laughs> <laughs> you could go real easy. And it's funny. <laughs> it's it's funny too because even like I, sh- I shot a couple of videos, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I was even like nervous. Like, what if I drop my? Yeah. Like if the phone falls out of my hand and it's someone's like, dead. Someone's oh my dead. god. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah going on. Gone. So I don't I don't know if you saw the video, but Maurice Green was like, I, while I was shooting video, he was sitting there and he, like. Okay, so Maurice and Hino Fajero, the two headliners, and we'll talk about this fight in a minute, they were they were both there, right? Yeah. They're towering human beings. Like I was joking, but it was true. Like, at the media thing, they were sitting in chairs, and they were oh, still I knew. taller Oh, than my people. God, I knew. That was the first thing that hit me. And <laughs> I'm like, I was like Come how, on. how am I standing up, and I'm looking at these two guys <laughs> that are sitting down, and they're still taller than me. Like, So anyway, so there's this railing, and and when you go out there, like, even on me, it's only, like, waist high or whatever yeah. to those guys it's like at their thigh. knees yeah, yeah it's across like, their thigh and Maurice screams like I'm on top of the world and it was funny <laughs> and it was cool you know and like oh, I was like that's cool and then he like leans over the edge to like look down I'm like what are you What are you doing? Could you imagine
1: if the PFL main event is off because Maurice fell off the (laughs) State building?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fucking bananas. Uh, I actually had to say anything. Okay. (laughs) So let me – all right. So I'm filming him leaning (laughs) over, and in the head, it goes through my head. I'm like, this dude might be about to fall over right now. (laughs) And then I thought – so I should probably keep filming yeah. <laughs> this will, this, who knows <laughs> maybe this is gonna be the last recording <laughs> I was like should I turn this off because oh this is gonna God. be utterly insane yeah. if he falls over I was like the journalist in you was like, I'm gonna keep rolling. <laughs> I, go? I gotta capture. Oh, that was crazy. So we got to do that. That yeah. was fun. That ended up being more uh more fun than I anticipated, so that was good. And for all the Empire State Building enthusiasts out there, if you want to do reach that hidden floor, become a mixed martial arts media member and the
1: PFL will certainly bring you there.
0: That is that is the message here. That yeah. is that is really the That's lesson we to take out people. of it. That is why I got into this. I was like To man, be on
1: the Empire
0: State Building. I was like, Man, if I if I play my cards right <laughs> with this MMA game, I'm getting to the secret floor of the Empire State Building. There's no question. It's taken it me a will, while to get here. It only took 20 years. You know, it took, took me a while to get here, but it's done. <laughs> and, in fact, with that, I'm ready to announce my retirement. I'm done. Wow. Everything's been accomplished. And uh, thank you, guys. You know what, John? You changed the game. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right, let's talk about this card. Uh you were at Media Day today. We got to talk to the top eight fighters. Of course, the heavyweight semifinals are going. Uh Hennen Fajera and Maurice Green are in the main event. The other semifinal is the number one and number four seed number one, Dennis Goldsoft. number four Jordan Heiderman. Interesting collection of guys. Um obviously uh it's not matchmaking. This is just the way the points work out, but the way it came together is, is pretty interesting. You got Hennan and Maurice again, six seven versus six eight. I mean these dudes are massive. Uh Hennen Fajera, a dangerous dude. Like I don't know, you mean just The the, the hands. I mean, it's just a a massive dude. Uh, Meanwhile, Morrie Screen, a little, a little thinner. You know, not quite as muscular and jacked up as Henan, but um, training with John Jones for several years now, um, and and really is coming in saying, "Look, I'm taking this stuff seriously." Uh, You know, I just haven't really taking it seriously 100% for the first time in my life, I'm doing so. Uh, told a story today about, right, like never really lifted weights. Uh, and it, he said his excuse was always that his arms are too long, so it was just kind of hard <laughs> to do it, yeah. which, by the way, that's just coming up with an excuse. Like, ah, well, the yeah. arms are – I mean
1: – Physically, I just can't.
0: Yeah, what, what else <laughs> but then he said John Jones, who has an actually even longer reach, even though he's a shorter guy, we all know the, the, the famous reach of John Jones, was just like throwing up 320 pounds, and, and Maurice was like – Oh, well. <laughs> Guess I don't have the excuse anymore. There, that yeah. excuse is gone. So he started <laughs> lifting weights a little bit. And he really talked about the mental um, side of just having John Jones in there, which, you know, we've heard. You know, John, he said, look, it's just amazing. The dude grinds. On the days he doesn't want to be there, he's still there. On the days yeah. that maybe he's not feeling it, He puts in extra work, you know what I mean? So, um, anyway, uh, I think on paper this thing doesn't look like it's going very long, but uh, what what do you think about the matchup and anything you took out of talking to those guys today? I think, yeah, to echo that first round is
1: probably going to be where this one ends. I can't imagine two finishers, uh, and kind of on both separate sides of a coin. You know, Maurice Green, uh, you would look at him and go, oh, that guy can knock out a lot of people, but he's, you know, kind of deceptively a submission specialist. And getting the rounds in with Gordon Ryan recently kind of tells me where his his headspace might be at coming into this is, Mm -hmm. you know what, I know, I know is going to be a big threat on the feet. Why not I try and mess around a little bit? And the one thing I loved here in for Maurice is that when he really reflects on that last fight with Ante D'Elia, he went, you know what? I had juice in the tank to use, and I didn't. Yep. And, you know, losing that one, coming into this off of a loss, it sounds like he took the correct lessons from it because everything's academic, right? And Maurice Green, I think, is going to come in here and looking to really put some exclamation points, um, some style, a little bit mm-hmm. of flair. And I don't know. I think that Henan Ferreira is... He's used to finishing stuff so quickly. And right. I mean, again, identical twin brother of Dennis Goltsov uh, in Hen and Freya. Oh, we We're going to talk uh, about that moment, oh, <laughs> <laughs> dude. <Damn it. laughs>
0: know. So peel back the curtain a little bit. To peel back the curtain a little bit, <laughs> a little bit uh, Bane went to uh, to ask uh, Hen if I had her a question day. Although he a- he was looking at his Dennis Goltsov notes, and so he asked the Dennis Goltsov question that he had prepared, and the translator was just like. Ed Lima, baby. He was like, what are you doing? He's like, that's that's not him, bro. He's like, that's the wrong guy. And, and uh, it threw you off your game a little bit. You just did. you didn't come yeah. back with another question. No. You were just like, I'm done. Truthfully, I didn't have any for Henning. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: That's why I skipped ahead in the notes because okay. it went directly from, you know, one guy to the Dennis ones. And I, I feel so dumb because I Googled Dennis Gultsov right. and I'm looking at a photo of him and then for whatever reason I still go, oh, that's him. I don't know how I did Hey, the necks sometimes get a little too tight. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the, bar- the blood flow is not there. But either way, main event's going to be fun. Like I said, it's going to be a finish. I think a striker versus a grappler. But both guys on the feet can do some damage. And I don't know. Hennen is also great on the ground, too. So it's a well-rounded affair in the marquee match.
0: Yeah, it is. Hennen, a uh, huge favorite, by the way. The two big favorites in the heavyweight fights. Um, actually... Gosh, man, yeah, Larissa is a massive favorite as well, which makes sense. Their What's the line? there. So Hennen is Hennon and Dennis Goldsoff are basically both minus 750. Oh, <laughs> my with, God. With Larissa Pacheco a minus 1,000, uh, which is insane to see. Those are big numbers. Uh, but you're right. I, I do think um, the, the one thing that you pointed out as well, that, that Maurice pointed out, is that like, Hennon is a really good bully, but if he doesn't get you done, if you can survive it, he kind of wilts a little bit, and that's what he's expecting. But – the problem with that is you got to get past that initial surge. Uh, the other, as I said, Dennis Goldsoff is uh, a huge favorite as well of Jordan Heiderman. Um, I like the spirit of both of them. You know, Goldsoff Damn. came in, first of all, just saying, look, uh, you know, this is my fourth time in these playoffs. It's it's time. Like, I got to get there. Like, I'm I'm sick of this. And uh, it was funny because my last question for him was, you know, obviously you're fighting for money, million dollars. I mean, that means something. But how much would it mean for you to win this thing? And right back in perfect English, like, but he's like, I'm fighting for the championship. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, yeah, the money's. He's like, I just I need to win this thing. Uh, meanwhile, Heiderman, uh, you know, he's he's making some noise. You know, he's undefeated. He had a, a failed run on the Ultimate Fighter, and he said that that really showed him a lot, it taught him a lot, made him realize, oh, okay, there's. There's levels to this, and I need to change. And so he made all the changes, Um, and here he is. And and, and that is what's cool. I – and I've said this before and I'm not just saying it because of here because i said it all along when the PFL came out with their format I was like "All right, like it's just gonna okay what what gimmick is this but ever since it's played like I like it like I like looking at the standings I like the fact that people can just come in earn their shot you win nobody can stop Jesus Paneto
1: I mean come on like we don't have stories like that
0: uh, in other promotions but
1: the thing about me and that's why I cracked open the question to Jordan about tough because you're kind of following a similar pattern Mm -hmm. in frequency of competition staying on weight and, and always constantly training like i think that that's prepared him really well for this pfl format and you know he does he's 7-0 as a pro but i think he's like 9-0 as an amateur so yep. he's been around the block a couple times but dennis goldsov i mean like i said minus 750 that kind of checks out this dude is a monster yep. and i think like in the neighborhood of 40 professional fights yeah. 30 plus wins and you're gonna castro 18 second knockout of him it, it, which is difficult
0: to do it's a tough dude.
1: You know, don't call him the Mad Titan for none. And uh, I don't know. I think I think it's it's about time for Goltsav, but Jordan Heiderman, like you he said, can certainly shake it up.
0: I like uh, I like what Goltsav said too because it's so spot on. It's, cause somebody else was asking like, you know, where, what is the difference in the experience? Like, how does that impact? And he was like, man, just when you've been in there as much as I like, things start to slow down a little bit, right? Like, because it's yeah. such. We were just talking about this recently. I mean, it's uh, I think we we're talking about maybe with with RDA uh, in his case, Sean. But it's you know, it's mixed martial arts is so chaotic. But when you've been in there, you know, for, for hours legit, and it's, it's, yeah. it slows down a little bit. Now you can see things. Now you can anticipate. Yeah. Now you know what's going on instead of just like, ah.
1: There's that nerves, the tenseness of it. And, again, Jordan first season in the PFL, Dennis – Really veteran seasoned in this format, it it really is hard to bet against them, which I guess is you know why is a fucking huge favorite. It is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the odds makers yeah. have said that as well. Uh, Larissa Pacheco, we'll say the women's uh, obviously yeah. um, um, amazing story last year. You know, uh, upsetting. I've, I've found this storyline interesting all week. Now, again, this is this this doesn't have any impact whatsoever <laughs> on the actual X's and O's of the fight, right? For sure. But Larissa Pacheco last year facing Kayla Harrison. She's 0-2. She's already lost twice to her. She's a huge underdog. Nobody gives her a chance. And what happens? She wins and she gets a million dollars. Olena Kolesnik. Same. Same situation. Yeah, 0-2. 2 she's, she's, she's a huge underdog. Nobody's giving her a chance. So, it's – I mean, again – that's a storyline. The hypothetical, to the narrative the we can push. It, it, and that's
1: that's what Larissa said, basically, yeah. is, you know, sure, maybe it looks that way, but it's an unfair comparison because the performances are different, right. the competition is different, and I think that there is some validity in Larissa ending, because that was the question I had. Mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, th- you would see the parallel, and she's like, no, uh, it's unfair because we're not the same, and it is difficult to believe that Elena could get it done on this third outing, but... It was hard to believe that Larissa could do it last year. So it it, that narrative, even if Larissa wants to downplay it, is really firmly in my mind.
0: So uh, it's it's so it's such a weird parallel. She's a low key savage, by the way, Larissa Pacheco. Like, because the way she's because I did an interview with her. Actually, I don't even know if if this is going to come out. But another thing I did with the PFL was uh, (laughs) I did a sit down uh, dinner at a Churrascaria. Uh, with Larissa and they filmed that we did like an interview while, In Spanish it? or English? Uh, no in English. Okay, and, yeah. and, and it would be Portuguese by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh, So yeah, so we did that and we had translated but it was cool And they just kind of wanted to test this concept and and uh, so I don't know if it's gonna get produced and Distributed or if they were just doing it internally, but they were like do you, you want to come do this? And I'm like, like yeah, I'm here Korea in an interview. I'm like, yeah, oh, man, let's do it <laughs> But she kind of delivered that so I kind of cuz I had a similar question She delivered a real similar line to that and it's like kind of low-key savage like yeah, that's not a comparison. Like I'm going to prove we're different people. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see, uh, Atlanta though, by the way, um, what a story, too. I mean, the, the Ukrainian background and representation of Odessa
1: is— because I've done two interviews with her this wow. year, and, like, it is just in her veins, you know? And I think that she recognizes all of the problems that she had in those first two fights with Larissa. And, I mean, I think she's in Vegas at Extreme mm-hmm. Couture. Yep. Yeah. so, like, really good bodies to be getting rounds in with. And um, I think we're going to be seeing the best Elena Kolesnik, but that's really the ultimate question is, will that be enough to beat Larissa Pacheco?
0: It's a tough man because uh it, it is a difficult match for her. You know it's funny, and I didn't even realize this. Uh, Maurice was pointing it out to me actually when we were on that Empire State building trip. Um he and Larissa were on the same season of the Ultimate Fighters. So they were both in the house at the same time. And oh, he's really? like, and now seeing her yeah. all you know, he's like, I'm so proud of her, and like seeing like she's like she's gotten so much better from when from when that, that time. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. I'm so impressed with her. So that was pretty cool. She's it's so crazy, man. Just every time we talk to her, it's like Got to the UFC when she was twenty, and oh by the way, Andrage and Jermaine Duran. Yeah, how about, like, how about on, you dude. face two champs coming up <laughs> at twenty years old? And, and oh well, now we're done with you. See how yeah, about that? It's so.
1: fucking stupid. I was looking through Wikipedia and I was like, "Your kid, those were her two UFC fights. Isn't that literal champions down- Like, yeah, come on." Um, at twenty. Wow, at twenty, God, what was I doing at twenty? Cri- Probably it was like last week. Wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> what are you talking about? You're calling the flex fighter. Yeah. It, it was so last, long ago. It was last um, Tuesday, it was night and day. Um. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um. Talking about tough though, and I don't, you know, we've still got some main card matchups, but I have been eager to mention all week Caitlin Neal. Cat yep. is similarly coming off the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, I believe she beat. Cat Cor, I can't pronounce the last name. Corraginus, right? Karaginus. Um really emphatic fashion, and I think she's got the personality to be a completely uh, holistic star for the PFL.
0: I love it. Uh, since you brought up the Ultimate Fighter, did you did you watch the Ultimate Fighter <laughs> all this year?
1: Um, I was tuning in for like the first seven or so weeks, yeah. just so I could tweet out immediately the results afterwards. Right. Um, but yeah, at the semifinals, and once Connor basically got basically got swept, yeah, I uh, kind of lost interest. I know it's Cody Gibson and. Uh,
0: Bracketona. Bracketona. Yeah, Kurt so that would be matchup. Yeah, the last one aired yeah. uh, last night. I, did, I So I watched it all the way. I watch everything. That's just me. I'm just a weirdo <laughs> like that. So I watched it all. Uh, it is, so that is the final matchup. Uh, it was funny because there was like th- – th- I, I, they didn't show any tension between the two like at all the whole yeah. time. And then the final episode, Cody's like – they're in the kitchen and Cody's just like – John at each other. Yeah, and Cody's like, you know, Brad, you know nobody likes you, right? Like, so <laughs> like nobody here likes you. And Brad's like, no, I think there's some people that like him. And he's like, nobody, bro. Dude. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I was like, wow. Jeez. A little well, high school, a little middle school type. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> so we got some drama uh, of that matchup. Obviously, we don't get much time to go through it. But uh, I think they were, they were at the media day in Boston today. So hopefully, we saw some interviews come out of that. So that was interesting. It was funny, too, because I think a lot of people were like waiting to see. Like, I am not very hopeful that this fight between conor mcgregor and michael chandler happens yeah. in december i'm not saying it's impossible slow chance uh, i understand that uh, he is a very popular and wealthy man and that you know <laughs> the, the popular and wealthy people get certain special rules applied to them but i really do believe going through the six months of usada testing would be better for everyone involved just there's no questions yeah. i just i just i honestly believe if they do grant this exemption i think a lot of people. People people already had their doubts about USADA, right? Yeah. That, to me, is going to be like a nail in the coffin, right? Final. Like, I told you guys. They're just – you know what I mean? So that's why I believe for the sake of the program, like, it's best for them to go and have the six months. But anyway – Well, that's why I look at January
1: 2023 and July 2023 and go, man, we could have already been done with the six months,
0: you know? Exactly. Like, why didn't we get this out? You know, but whatever. So ridiculous. But anyway, so a lot of people were <laughs> looking forward to, like, well, well, maybe they'll announce it on the last thing of the show. And it was just like – it's like, all right, the finals are set. <laughs> It's this <laughs> and that. And they're like, and then it's Al Jermaine, Sterling, and Sean O'Malley. Was like, and Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler set their eyes on a future fate. I was just like, <laughs> <What>? at some <laughs> point down the line. They're like, wow, really getting me anticipating. Remember and- how we told you it- they were going to fight? Still going to happen sometime yeah. in the future. I it thought, will go down. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, all right, so anything else I'm saying after you mention the uh, – oh, by the way, um, Amber Lybrock, uh, I, I thought she was awesome today too, man. She came yeah. in, a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. She's like, hey, sure. I don't like what Marina's been saying about me. Um, we asked Marina about that, and she was like, don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just the way I feel, so yeah. that's what I'm telling you. Uh, but also, it, the, the one time she got emotional, Amber was talking about uh, the teaching bond kids. that she has with teaching kids. I'm yeah. actually – I wanted to put that clip out later. We, we were doing some stuff, I'm going to put that clip out because – I'm a huge proponent of kids doing martial arts, and I'm not saying that every martial arts trainer is as committed as she is, but I can tell you that like, my kid has had some really good coaches over the years. You know, he's trained under Justin James, he's trained under Roxanne Montefiore. I mean, some, some great people, and and they've all they've all had that care. You know, like yeah. I know I know a lot of coaches teach kids just because like it's, it's a paycheck maybe it's or, a paycheck, and it's how yeah. they pay their gym fees, it's how they make some money or whatever. But I still think, damn near to a T everyone i've seen like does have bonds like does love doing it and does love like instilling that passion you know what i mean And, uh, yeah, she got emotional about it, just talking about, like, being a good role model and, like, helping relate to these kids. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I
1: think, yeah, her her connection is potentially really uh, can be drawn back to her own upbringing, you know, and the difficulties that she faced. And I'm not going to pretend to know everything about Hayward, California, outside of the, you know, longest Battle of the Bands competition. By
0: the way, when you said today, Hayward, (laughs) California, well known for the Battle of the Bands, (laughs) I would have to say no. Hey, that's what Google told me. (laughs) If the world's largest search engine says something,
1: JM, I'm going to, you know, follow it but i think that really is is why amber got really uh, emotional about it's because she's going i wish i had this when i was younger and now she's able to give that to people and you, we see that a lot and it always is going to get someone uh you know tearing up and, and feeling it and you know i think that she's right to have a bit of a chip on her shoulder marina has been very dismissive and maybe rightfully so i mean six-time world sambo champion like difficult to bet against right. but amber lybrock has been there and done that and she's kind of uh swam through the valleys of her career exceptionally well. I mean, losses to people like Megan Anderson, losses to, again, Larissa Pacheco mm-hmm. last time out, and then still getting this semifinal opportunity. I think that if anybody is going to upset Marina and, and prove Marina's thought process wrong, probably Amber Lybrock's the only person I could do it here.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited to see how plays out. I will not be here on fight night. I am actually leaving tomorrow <laughs> morning to fly back to Vegas. I, um, James a fraud. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was interesting. So my week, th- this, was, this week has been up in, in the air for a little while. I think I'm allowed to say we were trying to do uh, a grappling event in Boston, CFFC. Yep. But we just uh, we came across some operational difficulties. Ended they up heard not the Bane wasn't available, and they went, you know it Might as well just not have the event. I don't think you want to be on the CFFC grappling <laughs> mat anytime soon, my man. Hey, uh, December. <laughs>
1: December. <laughs> are we all healed up, by the way? Is yeah, six weeks. You know, Doc said it's 100%. Everything's aligned. The bones healed well. There was
0: no uh, surgery or anything, right? Thank or God, no. Just the boot. Just had to wear a boot yeah, for a while. Hobbling around, that was rough. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was weird that night to see uh, your limp getting progressively worse. I'm like, oh, like at first I was like, oh, he's got a s- slight little right. limp, and, then, and then, yeah, then at the bar afterwards, I was so like, oh boy, can- <laughs> 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 the adrenaline has worn off, and there's a problem right now. Yep. Uh, well, glad you're healthy and that sort of thing. But yeah, so we were going to do that, um, but I was never going to be able to be. Uh, in Boston on fight night because uh, my dad had a a work trip actually in Vegas uh, planned for a long time and I only get to see my dad like once or twice a year so I was like I was always going to fly back Um, but I was going to be in Boston that fell through so I ended up coming here to New York instead so I will not be here for fight night I'll let you enjoy the fight night uh, and I'll be back early Monday morning and I will be here for the Wednesday fight night, uh, yeah. and we'll, we'll close things out. So I uh, have to talk about usC 292, of course. Of course. Again, I was supposed to. I was originally planning on being in Boston, covering all the pre-fight coverage. I uh, wasn't going to be there on fight night, but I was looking forward to it because um, i got to say, man, and I've, and I've done a couple uh, interviews with some other media members. Uh, I'm about as excited for Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley as uh, any fight on the on – Any the, big fight it, you can Yeah, add. I mean, it's, yeah. A, this to me just has everything, right? Like uh, as far as – it's a clash of styles, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it is. I mean, both well-rounded martial artists, but, you know, you think of Aljamain Sterling, you think of the incredible grappling, you think of Sean O'Malley, you think of the incredible striking. Now, each can dabble in the other realm, of course, but that's where they're best at, right? Then you have just this whole thing of, like, Aljamain is the, the champion that really hasn't necessarily got the respect. Sean O'Malley is, like, the superstar that really hasn't Proven. fought a whole lot yeah. of high-level fights <laughs> One yet. One top 15 win, and it was a
1: little controversial. Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> so, there's that. And then, of course, you know, uh, Aljamain doesn't mind talking a little bit trash. Uh, Sean, certainly. I mean, they've they got different styles, but they both like to throw things out there. And then there's just all the impact in the division, man. You've got Maraud Philly waiting in the background. Corey Sanhagen's out there as well. Henry Cejudo's in there. Your dogs coming up, there's you know. A, yeah. you, you got to keep an eye. <laughs> don't always there, you know what I mean? Uh, and so there's so much. And, and again, maybe I'll I, mean, I think – Win or lose, I think he's kind of echoed it a little bit more this week. But I've been saying this for the past few weeks um, and months. Even I think this is Aljamain's last fight at 145, regardless, of win or lose. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm pumped up, and um, I guess you know I, I'm bummed that I won't be there at cage side, but uh, I guess I get to watch it from the comfort of my couch or whatever, I'm hanging out with my family, which isn't bad. can't
1: Canter, you get to hear the commentating finally. Get to
0: hear, <laughs> yeah, actually get to hear the commentary. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Are, are you in the same boat of being like? I mean, like, am I making too much out of this, or is this just like a? I mean, a legit badass. Fight? I think
1: that's the proper amount of inflation you could give to that main event because Aljamain Sterling is the most underappreciated, overlooked champion that we've had in quite some time. And he's strung together a deceptively great title reign. I mean, wins over Piotr Jan. He's got the uh, Cejudo win, the Dillashaw win. Like, those are names that if you told somebody maybe in 2017, you'd go... Al Jermaine did that? right? So I get that there are question marks, and there might be a couple asterisks here and there, but ultimately this is giving a lot of shade to Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor in the sense of if Sugar Sean O'Malley cannot end this quite early with a beautiful left, I think Al Jermaine is going to just dominate. I mean, the wrestling is second to none, and I don't want to draw analogies to past fights, but Corey Sanhagen, Al Jermaine Sterling... I could see it playing out quite similar. Because if Piotr Jan can take you down six times and look like a fucking D1 Iowa wrestler, what can Aljamain Sterling do against you? And I had the luxury of speaking with Tim Welch um, not too long ago, and I think that they've got the best mindset possible, and they recognize where this fight could go wrong. And Sean's been echoing, hey, it's about the small errors. I can't make these little mistakes and give him an inch. And I think that's, you know, best physically, best mentally, Sean's coming into this, but like we talked about with Elena and Larissa, Will that be enough against a true problem on the mat in Aljamain Sterling? I got the funk master.
0: I don't want to make predictions. Oh, no, I, I do too. That's that's the way I'm leaning as well. But I, you know what I love? Because sometimes you look at a fight and you just – in your head you're just like, ah, I just – it, I just – I'm 90% sure it goes this way, you know what I yeah. mean? But, you know, maybe – oh, well, but, I mean, I can I – totally see Sean landing something. You know what I mean? Like, he's so dangerous. He's so Thomas accurate. Almeida. Power. Yeah. yeah, and that was like Thomas Almeida was like the man, you know. So, I mean, I could see Aljamain getting clipped, but – Again For all the things you say In terms of stylistic matchup And in terms of Man the, the people That Aljamain Sterling Has fought against ridiculous, Unbelievable I, I lean Aljamain But Sean Sean is as dangerous as they get I want to add the addendum Not Thomas Almeida In the sense he was the man
1: <laughs> At that point in time But the problems that And the mistakes that he made He was getting wily On the inside Trying to grapple yeah. And Sean went bop, bop, yeah, yeah. Bop. I could see Aljamain Eating a clean shot Getting a little bit more You know, uh, desperate or making a problematic move, and that same sequence can occur. It's the best equity for Sean to get it done. Um, But I mean, you look at my DraftKings, and you know, don't listen to me. Not highly successful there. No, man, I'm burning <laughs> through uh,
0: the wallet. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, uh, the co-main event. Is, so I'm, I'm, high, I mean, I could I could literally do an hour talking about that fight. Yeah, I just, of course, I'm sure everybody's on the ground in Boston is going to give you all the coverage. They were at the media day. They'll be <laughs> at the press conference. They don't need to listen to schmucks. I yeah, mean, what are we talking about? We're up here in New York. We're not there. We're in New York. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, but, I, but I am, I am fired up about that. Uh, and I'll tell you what as well. Uh, the co-main event and, and it's getting zero attention, and I understand why. I mean, first of all, it's two non English speakers, so there's not like a whole lot of you know clips and tape and all that out there secondly i think a lot of people just feel like look i mean jane Wiley is the champ she's dominant she's going to destroy amanda lamosh and and i i get that sentiment and at the end of the day if you're asking me who i'm picking i'm picking jane Wiley. but i feel like amanda lamosh is a sneakily bad cha- and i do not say a bad matchup but at least just challenging i mean she hey jane Wiley likes to strike Guess what? Mandela Amos will strike with you. She'll throw down. You want to grapple instead? Got some pretty good jiu as well. And the power and the size that she brings to it, I, I – not I every- am picking Zhang yeah. Wei Lee, but I'm a little bit more interested in it because I think most people are just like, eh, what's next? You know what I mean?
1: I think because they haven't really paid attention to Amanda Lemos. They see that standing uh, arm triangle by Andrade and they ride her off. But right. again, over the last two fights, submitting Michelle Watterson and then TKOing Marina Rodriguez, not everybody can do that, That's folks. Right. And I'm on the same train with John Wei Lee. I think two bouts with Dama two bouts with Yonan and Jacek, just steamrolling Esparza. There is no reason to really question. Um, John Whaley coming into it, but I think that Amanda Lemos is going to give her at least hopefully a stronger challenge than uh, people would assume.
0: I that's kind of the way I feel like if, if, if you know, if on Saturday night Lemos pulls off the upset, I'm going to be a little bit shocked. but I think I'm going to be less shocked than most people. I think she is a, a dominant force out there, and people that aren't really just giving her the credit, the winner of this fight, um. <laughs> I feel like number one, the winner. If if Zhang Weili does win, I think they're going to do everything they can to give Yan Shanan the next fight and yeah. try to do it in China. Yeah, you you know, Shanghai
1: like, maybe, or you know what I mean? Like, like yeah.
0: it's just such a big financial opportunity. And um, but if for some reason Lamush wins, do you want to see Tatiana Suarez in a title fight already? Do you think she needs like one more?
1: You know, my answer is why not? Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Just she, why
0: not? She, you know, I mean, I've been talking about this since she came back, and I was always super high on Tatiana Suarez. Man, I mean, when she first came in, straight up, I was like, that girl is going to be a champion, deservedly like, no way. so, absolutely. And then the layoff. And it's just, I just think, I was, I was saying this, like, I think you just, there's so many fights, and there's so many fighters, and there's so much going on, yeah. I forgot how high on her I was, <laughs> and then she comes back and does what she does, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I was saying she's going to be a champ, so it, it's weird, like, I, I kind of want to see her get next, especially because I feel like, man, all that she's been through and all that she's had to endure, like, I feel like, I don't want to say deserve, but I don't know. Just I but, want to see you there, and I feel like yeah. it's inevitability, but I do feel like if Zhang Weili wins, I, I think the yeah, UFC yeah, is nah, going to nah. try to go try to go China.
1: And, and to the credit of the upsets that we've seen in 2023, I mean, Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso oh. can speak to the fact that somebody that, that a lot of crazy. people count out, hey, they can get it done. And like we've talked about, Lemosh is a finisher, period. Yep. So, you know, I as much as we're on the Zhang Weili train, in the event, that we see a little bit of an upset, I'd go, that's 2023, baby. Yeah. That's what we should expect by now.
0: hundred percent. Like you definitely picked Valencia and Shevchenko against Grasso, right?
1: No, I, I got Grasso by round three sub. Actually, I called it perfectly. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, man. I mean, so what's funny is I was calling
1: a flex event and I recall we wrapped up and that was the same night that Jones and Cyril Kahn went to yep. war. Uh, what well, two-minute <laughs> war. Uh, went to a skirmish, really, for Jones. Um, went to war. <laughs> they had a, a tight grudge match battle, whoo, really. Back and forth. Um, we wrap up the main event at Flex, and I, I waltz my way up into the Stereo Garden, I grab a Corona, I turn around, I see Valentina getting choked down, I'm like, oh, oh my god. Crazy. Wow.
0: So this is the reason I ask is, so, uh, you know, obviously we're a month away now from the rematch. Yeah. I feel like in the rematch I'm picking Valentina again. <laughs> <laughs> is that dumb? Um,
1: I don't think it's dumb. I think it really just boils down to the fact that Valentina made a dumb decision, a mistake, that Alexa Grasso capitalized on beautifully. Now, I'm not sure how old Valentina is right now, uh, but here's the scary statistic that I think might move a lot of betters and people that want to pick. Champions don't often get the belt back. You know, that is a, it is a real tough task yeah. for people to get it done. And 35
0: I th- is the answer, by the way.
1: 35? That, that's how old she is? Yep. Mm. I think I might go with Grasso again.
0: I think uh, <sighs> UFC Anoche is going to go to uh, <laughs> Alexa Grasso. I like it. Uh, I, I like the. I do like the fact that they're doing that uh, Mexican Independence. I hope that becomes a thing. Yeah, the UFC Noche or Noche UFC. No- Something,
1: but it's at the apex.
0: No, it's at T-Mobile in Oh Vegas. Yeah, uh, well, still in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's move oh. this shit down to Mexico City. Yeah, well, that's. Site fees, baby. They want those site fees. If They're not getting. I mean, that's that's yeah. it's financial. Uh, anyway, we'll have a month to get to that. But I, I do think it's <laughs> cool they're doing it. Um, Ian Machado, Gary Neil Magny, the late replacement Neil Magny. Uh, Ian Machado, uh, he's boy, he's coming out of his shell a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? This man, this yeah. man has always been confident. like he's always been confident. He's always done interviews, but I, I always kind of applauded. I don't know if humbleness is the right way or humility is the right description, but right. he, I, I, I always thought you know he always said, look. I'm going to be the best. But he would always say, like, but I'm young and I got time on my side and I don't have to skip any steps. So I'm gonna, I'm you know, I'm getting better every up, day, et cetera, yeah. et cetera." And I guess finally he's just like, Well, <laughs> I worked my way up. We're done now. <laughs> he uh, just decided, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean it's weird the roller coaster of Ian Mathado Gary coming into this one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sir Sir. No, that's you don't get to just uh, Mathado. <laughs> are we in Barcelona? I know, I got having the Spaniard, you know, but um
1: no, it is weird because yeah, he comes out of the gate in the UFC and there's so many McGregor comparisons and people go, oh, we're tired of this guy. And then, right. yeah, you did see that kind of a 180 and people go, dude, we're all Ian McGarry. Especially after that Son canon fight and yep. the rebound, the recovery. And like you said, I think his his self-awareness after that fight. And here he is saying, I'm carrying the card. And it's like, <laughs> dude, we're right back where you started, Ian. Come on, man. You're not. <laughs> I, dude, I, I've spent a lot of time with Ian Gary at Karate Combat Events, and he is the nicest the guy The nicest, person, dude. Greatest guy. So I just look at him, say shit like that, and I go, dude, you know what people are going to say and but draw from.
0: Okay, and exact, you're exactly right. So I was doing an interview uh, with a buddy of mine earlier this week, and he was asking me about that, and I said, listen, I think he just knows it'll piss people off Stirring. so let me stir the pot a little <laughs> bit it'll get people to, and I'm like I'm like look we actually led the USC 292 breakdown with that I'm like look at that how about that I'm like you're starting with this in, in your 219 breakdown, so yeah. it worked, right? So, do you think? I, people I are think, talking. I, I think calculate decision, right? Because I, again, if you spend any time around you get he's the nicest dude ever. I yeah. think he's just. I, th- I think it's a calculated decision to be like, you know what, man, let's just get people talking. And it might be a confidence because of Neil Magny. As great as
1: the Haitian sensation is, we know kind of the staggered results that he's had, and um, stylistically, I think it's more
0: challenging than Jeff Neil was. I like bring this in. fight better. Really? I, if I'm being honest with you, I like this fight better just because. Uh, I feel like Neil Magny is such a proven commodity yeah. that if this one to me, like I'm not saying that it was, it wouldn't have been a great fight, but I feel like some of the questions we have about where is Ian Gary, like is he really, the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're because like you don't, you don't run through Neil Magny. Like there's, I don't believe there's a single person in the welterweight division from champ. To number 15, that it goes, I would smoke that dude. Like, you know you're going in there, and he's going to push you. And he, you know, he's a problem. He's not going to be flashy, but he's not going away. He's not going to make things easy on you. I feel like uh, we'll get some questions. Like I feel like we will have more knowledge about who Ian Gary
1: really is. And if he does to Neil Magny what he did to Daniel Rodriguez, then he hops on the mic and goes – I fucking carried this. And boom. I mean, come on. There goes a a mic drop moment for Mr. Mathado. Um, (laughs) I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to see. I'm glad that Ian's still on this card because, again, at the end of the day, that's a gamer move. Um, At his level with what is at stake, to accept this short-notice change against a guy like Magny who is a a perpetual problem shows a lot about who Ian is. So maybe look past the words and hopefully people can understand that this guy really is an exceptional talent.
0: I agree. And I think that happens a lot with a lot of fighters and and fans just like – Maybe they don't like a guy, so then you diminish his skills just because you don't like him. You know what I mean? But you got to respect, even even if you don't like the way he's approaching it. Which again, I think it's just.
1: And sometimes you have have the opposite effect. Sometimes you see Mirab shoot seventy five takedowns and go, "This guy fucking sucks." But then you see his personality and him jumping off of you know high rises, and you're like, "That guy's awesome."
0: He's so crazy. (laughs) Uh, Demond Blackshear, Mario Batista. I'm happy to see Demond, who came through CFFC, getting a second fight in two weeks, which is incredible. Twister. Amazing. Hopefully the weight cut isn't an issue because he definitely didn't take any damage in that fight. But hopefully just the the back to back weight cuts aren't a problem. Chito Vera versus Pedro Munoz rounds out the main card. Uh, Cheeto Vera, obviously, this is a big moment for him. So here, okay, so here's what I'm trying to figure out because I believe win or lose, Aljamain Sterling's gone. I believe he's he's moving up to 145. You got Marab there right now. Um, let's say, I mean, a Sean O'Malley loss clears the path, I think, for Marab versus Sandhagen or Marab versus Cejudo, maybe you know, so that, maybe yeah. something like that. But if Sean wins and Cheeto wins. You have to put them together, right? You I mean, yeah, just Because, exactly. I, mean, I mean, at that point, you're like, well, Hagen, you're hurt, so get healed. Marab, you're going to just grapple. We want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I no mean, offense, no offense, but genuinely. I mean, like, and I look, and I, dude, I'm Marab fan number one. Like, absolutely. He's a guy, actually, that I said when he came in, even though he had like losses, which was the weirdest losses ever, I'm like, that dude is going to challenge for a title one day, too. I want him to fight for the top. I love Rob but I do believe if Sean wins and Cheeto wins, they will push him to the side. Got
1: to do it. And I think that that is the completion of a story that was started,
0: I think, in 2018 between Cheeto
1: and Sean. And for fans that recognize that was such a pivotal moment for Sean O'Malley, his only loss, granted uh, – oh, gosh, what was that guy's name? Manth, uh Andre – Andre Sukuta. Had him. Sukumthav. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <himself. Zook> <laughs> uh He did have him. But at the end of the day, this is the only loss in professional mixed martial arts that Sean O'Malley has. Yep. You run it back for the title. It's just a beautiful story that we – you know, we don't see these kinds of things too often. People actually rematching for the belt. I know as much as we love to talk about the Zohan, Randy Costa, and Adrian Yanez rematching for the belt, this is the realistic um, play out of that. And yep. I mean, I think round two – dude I think Sean and, uh, and Cheetah would go a hell of a lot longer than one round
0: Mick just the, the the build up for that man the, 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 the back and forth between those two like they yeah, will have insane. people talking that would be that would be fun so we'll see how it all plays out you know again there's a, a lot of things that have to well, fall certain ways and, and he- I mean, cheeto
1: has got to get through Pedro Munoz, which is really no easy task. Look at Chris Gutierrez in April struggling with just the presence of the young Punisher. I know that he's had really staggered results, and I know Munoz is— uh, maybe the stock has dropped a little bit in people's minds, but he well, he's is— he's game. He's so game. Yep. And I, I genuinely thought that the O'Malley fight— I had Pedro win in that first round, yep. and I thought that Sean was having some real problems with the puzzle of Pedro. Yep. Alliteration. Well, I like that. And uh, I don't know. I think that Cheeto Vera, if he does get slower starting— and doesn't really turn up the gas pedal, we could see Munoz get his hand raised. Well, and wow. then, well, there goes everything we just talked about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll there see, it uh, fucking goes.
0: <laughs> it all just goes off in the ether. Uh, tough tough analysis on there. Like, like I said, I'll just, if anybody, I know a lot of people probably didn't watch The Ultimate Fighter, but I'll yep. just say this, um, you're getting two quality matchups. Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Holobaugh, Bracatona versus Cody Gibson. Those are two quality matchups. Um, they're all veterans, of course. They're all trying to get back in, so I, I think we have two good tough finales there. And then the prelim, I think everybody's going to be dialed in on the return of Chris Weidman, Chris Weidman, Brad Tavares. Uh, um, this one's super hard for me because I don't know how you how anybody in the world doesn't cheer for Chris Weidman just as a human being. Like yeah. he's an amazing dude, uh, and of course what he went through uh, is is insane. But I just have an affinity for Brad Tavares because I'm a Vegas resident. Like <laughs> like the dude lives like in my neighborhood. Like I literally like run into him at the park with our kids and you know yeah. stuff like that. So it's just like uh, it, love it, for both. Teams. It's yeah, just like it's that. Hard, feel, hard.
1: That's the JM problem for the last decade, probably. <laughs> yeah, is, it is. <laughs> like, dude, I know both these guys. They're both great, and um, I think it, I was just talking about this with uh, a guy named David Caltabiano on Arizona Family, mm-hmm. funnily enough. And Chris Weidman's story, going from a career-ending injury two and a half years now to coming back in a, a great spot on the card of a pay-per-view. Like you said, you can't not root for the All-American because at the end of the day, what that guy accomplished truly goes down as one of the top middleweights of all time. Right. And does the, again, staggered results of recent memory uh, maybe sway that? Sure, but in my mind, there are few people who've done 185 better than Chris Weidman, and if he can just put a stamp on it with a win here Saturday, that's... uh, whew, I this, might, be,
0: might be crying. I, I, one of the most craziest moments, I mean, him him knocking out Anderson Silva, man, Like I, that was one of the most, like, just stunned moments and, and I, you know, I always feel bad about Anderson because i know there's so many like new fans that only caught the end of his career yeah and they're probably like why does everybody like think this dude is so good you know what i mean yeah but like like dominant run anderson was on another level dude on another planet and weidman was just like i remember he was a guest fighter in brazil and we were talking to him down there and like the, i always use an example of like you can tell when you talk to people right like who is actually confident in what they're saying and truly believes what they're saying versus yeah. somebody that's, like, saying the thing you're supposed to say <laughs> because, you know, like, that's what you're supposed to do leading into yeah. it. Like, that dude was, like, the the self-belief in the fact that he was going to knock out Anderson Silva, like, you could feel it. Like, it yeah. was just like, wow. And I was like, and good for you that you feel that way, but <laughs> it's Anderson Silva, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then he goes out and does it, and I was just like, wow. And then – I mean that that was just really one of the most stunning moments of my career, and then um, and then obviously you know to see the leg break like from it, that was that was so you wild were because
1: press row for that I imagine yeah right yeah it,
0: I could I could actually see the bone from where I was Ugh. and it was so it was such a uh, not to live through these awful moments but like I was there for the Anderson leg break too. And the Anderson leg break was shocking um, because, again, I have this affinity to him as one of the greatest fighters of all time, at that time especially. Um, and to hear that dude, like, he was screaming in pain. Like, 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 disturbingly so. And I was like, pro fighters who spend their entire life, like, getting punched and kicked and elbowed and need. Like, you know that doesn't feel good. And they don't, and they, they, you know, you don't no hear motion, him going, no ow, ow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're good. <laughs> and, and he was literally like, ah, like, skinny. Like, oh, so that was me. But then with Chris, when his leg broke, it was the opposite. Where it was just like, I'm like, is he just in shock right now? Well, I know right. he's talked about it, where he was like having this mental conversation, like, uh, and I think he's even said like he was already like planning his comeback. Like, <laughs> like I mean, just which is insane. <laughs> yeah. um, but but that, it was almost jarring in the opposite way of like that dude isn't Silent. moving at all. Yeah, everybody. Oh man, it was just uh, wild. Yeah, I'm, I hope they have a draw. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do want to point to the early prelims as well. Andre Petrosky, uh, Joe Mirshard, a couple guys that have come through the CFSC grappling ranks, two good dudes. Uh, but I did talk to Andre Petrovsky. First of all, by the way, um, I didn't, I, maybe I just missed it and I forgot. Um, I didn't realize like he had a, a battles with addiction and um, uh, is really starting to talk about it more. He said he didn't really ever talk about it much, but I'm sure they probably highlighted it and I just forgot. But I think I, you mentioned the Jared Gordon. You know he put
1: that, that he flash and, and then, and I thought yeah. that
0: was so cool for him to say like, man, I saw you know that that motivated me to see Jared Gordon. And I think that's so important. To just realize, like you never know who's hearing you, man. You never know. Yeah. You know, you think you're saying something, and uh what do you know? How do I help people? What do I know? Why you know? Yeah. Why do I bother talking about? But you never know, man. Like that message that you're sending, one person hears it, and it helps change your life. Uh, I I thought that was cool that he shared that. And it speaks to a lot of maybe
1: the struggles that people are still dealing with that they that they aren't comfortable voicing, and they yeah. don't look out to a landscape and see examples of people that have talked about it and and they've gotten X Y Z reception. Yep. So I think it's just important to be cognizant of it. And I mean, man. Props to Flash Gordon for kind of spearheading those levels yeah. of conversations at such a high platform. And, you know, and in terms of special guys and characters in the scene, Jared Gordon always got so much love for him. and
0: I love it. It was cool. And, by the way, Andre Petroski continues to call out Bo Nickel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it because he's like, he doesn't even hold back. He's like, they keep saying nobody wants him. I I'm saying I want to. raised,
1: because why not? You know, it's the best idea.
0: It's a great matchup. Um,
1: and GM3, you know, I just actually, finally enough, spoke to him a couple days ago in the because the, they were both on the CFFC card that right. I was on, yeah. and I was that's br- right.
0: You I mean you guys are,
1: you know, I mean, peers. we're basically <laughs> brothers. <laughs> These are my guys. Um, no, <laughs> um, warming up with him and, and kind of seeing just the okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, we were sharing a locker room <laughs> together, and uh, you know, I was I was giving a couple tips. I'm like, yo, Gerald. A little more pressure on the right arm <laughs> yeah. there. I think that'll work for you. Adjust the grip. Yeah, you
1: got a gable. I want to see that <laughs> grip right there. No, you got that. You got this. Uh, no, but like the, the the comfortability, I think that Gerald Muirshardh brings, especially this point in his career. Like he is um, so cool, calm, and collected. And I think that that represents in a lot of ways in the fighting style and approach. And I don't know. I don't know how many more years we have at GM3, but yes. I, I hope that. When it is all said and done, he is kind of remembered for, uh, A, the people that he fought. I mean, he's, he's taken on dogs. And, B, just that personality that he is, which maybe hasn't shown as much Agreed. in meaty days or, or made as many waves as some other people. But he's just a cool motherfucker.
0: He really is. All right, so since you brought it up, sharing the locker room, going through the <laughs> warm-up. I mean, I was with you in the immediate aftermath, but obviously yeah. there was a lot to process at the for time. Sure, yeah. <laughs> What what was it like in the locker room as you're getting ready? Because you know, I mean, if, if if we're being honest, I mean, you, you knew uh, this was an uphill assignment. You know what I mean? Yeah, of like, course, it was pro- probably um, probably not uh, gonna go your way. But you're like, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it. You know, I'm gonna give it my all. So, what was the emotion like for you? The thought process, the feelings as you were in that locker room, warming up, getting ready. Uh, ready to essentially walk to your execution, but, yeah. re- but you want to make it like the most entertaining execution possible. You
1: know, the dead man walking phrase is certainly something that I, I kind of lived that day. And uh, Chris Daukaus, I got to give the most special shout out of all time to, and I know that he's obviously had some stuff, some tough, staggered results, but that guy is the nicest motherfucker Super and nice. so selfless. And you know, I texted him Wednesday, and I was like, "Yo, dude, like, what, what are you doing Saturday night?" And he was like, "Nothing." And I didn't even realize that I texted him uh, a week and a half out from UFC 289, which is obviously <laughs> when he was supposed to fight. <laughs> Khalil Roundtree Jr. for the first time. and um, You know, I, I only that only clicked afterwards. And he was still like, dude, I got you. Yeah, I'll come in and corner you. And so, you know, we were doing about 30, 40 minutes of warm-up, just getting a good sweat going. Yeah. And practicing some rear choke defense, practicing some wrestling entries. And, um, you know, I think in terms of my confidence level, if I didn't have Chris there and, – and I wasn't confident by any means, but, right. like, I was certainly more prepared mentally with him than, than I think anyone else could have. And he did ask me right before we walked out, you know, because we were chatting I was asking him, you know, we were just – catching up a little bit and he was like before we walked out he was like are you nervous at all and i was like yeah you know i think so and he was like (laughs) because again i knew what was gonna happen and he was like that's okay you know we're gonna we're gonna get through it and uh that's awesome man yeah no it's it was a really special uh night with him and and uh, you know i went in there and genuinely was forcing myself to believe that you know you're gonna put on a show? You're going to come off the couch five years of not doing grappling and somehow stun the world? Like, I think I had to believe that. Right. Um, Granted, I almost fell off the stage immediately after (laughs) getting on, which that kind of shattered my mindset a little bit. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I think that um, it was a really fun experience. Obviously, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to do it again. Right. uh, Because... I don't know. It, it, I don't want to say it's low, low risk, high reward for me. But again, I don't think anyone expects me to do that well. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, those cheese night. steaks. You know, it <laughs> was a good night. Was, it was a um, fun night.
0: You, you're trying. You are though. You are actually trying to book uh, like a striking match. Like you want a box or I want that influence boxing, boxing bullshit. Yeah, I want boxing. that
1: in because again, it's the same thing. Uh, low risk, high reward. I look at some of these guys on the the Happy Punch prelims or uh, even those Fitz main card, and I'm like these. It just picked up the gloves three months ago. Right. Like, even though I don't train religiously, I've got about five years of on and off striking. Fight ready with Kelvin Gastelum, Zuhudo, a lot of pretty good sparring partners. Bryce Logan was uh, teaching these Muay Thai and boxing classes that I took from August to February and sparring with a lot of guys. Like, I know the ceiling that I have and it would it would just be a fun exposure opportunity because imagine I knock someone the fuck out <laughs> I mean boy there goes the uh, 13 second submission
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I gotta cleanse the palate jam so true that, that, all of a sudden <laughs> there's a different highlight to look at no. awesome man all right well listen uh you want to plug uh, any? Uh, you got multiple flex fight series you're working with uh, they're they're based here in New York yeah based out in Long Island patchog I got APFC
1: uh, which we've got another event coming up on September 3rd. Just signed a dealio. I'm unsure if I can talk about Uri Faber's A1 Combat uh, September 2nd. Gonna be calling that one in the Karate Combat Kumite. Doing play-by-play for that. So that's a episodic series that's releasing on Thursdays, I believe. So make sure you tune in. That was a lot- that was the weirdest fucking commentating experience I've ever had.
0: Yeah. What was? Um,
1: it? Dude, I don't know if you ever called shit in like a reality TV show site type setting, but like we had the it was dead sight dead si- yeah. on the, the set. Because it's a, it's a
0: green screen and yeah, yeah. it's the, it's,
1: a, it's literally just a um, a soundstage yeah. in fucking. Orlando or, or Miami, whatever it was, and we had to like reshoot things and do some other takes. And thankfully, Ross Levine, the KC middleweight champion, great dude, was my color commentator. We got through it, but it was a weird day. Yeah, fun tournament though. I mean, there, were, there are some cool storylines that came out of that kumite, and I I do hope they do it again because you know i like doing play by play yeah yeah <laughs> but also i think it's a it's just like the contender series it's just like tough it's another avenue for athletes to get into a promotion and it gives that promotion more content more shit to push so
0: absolutely why not good stuff man all right well listen uh i know we both got work to do so we'll go turn to that i gotta catch a plane in not too long get home get <laughs> back to vegas see my family and then i'll rejoin you guys out here so uh again pfl on friday night check it out then you got the UFC on saturday night big Busy weekend. And uh, for everybody over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, I will have an and a half episode over there that I'll just be recording from my couch. And why are you shadow boxing right now? I'm just, just pumped. Shooting. I'm just pumped <laughs> at this outro. <laughs> <laughs> my man Shadowbox over here. Wish me a video so you can see all that. See, he's itching. He's trying to get a fight. He's trying to get a fight. <laughs> get a fight. Uh, appreciate all the support of everybody. And more than anything, thanks for listening.